0: I feel so excited this morning for some reason. I don't know why. But before I came, you know, maybe I would say it a little bit unusual when I'm speaking. Um, you know, from whom I just felt excited. And that just went a as I came here. First, the number of people here. The other thing, as I sat here and the children were just passing, I couldn't, you know, but uh, give thanks to God. I want to say thank you. What do you say? Thank God. There is no such thing as gratitude unexpressed. If it is unexpressed, it is plain old-fashioned ingratitude, so says Robert Broad. In fact, someone had added and described unexpressed gratitude as wrapping a present and not giving it. Gratitude should come easily when you have been rescued from a desperate situation. We're going to consider Psalm 107 this morning. It's a Psalm that contains four stories four stories of people in desperate situations, four stories of God's wonderful acts, and on each occasion, there is a call for response of thanksgiving. Psalm 107 reminds us that we have all been in similar situations and have been rescued in various ways. It reminds us of the need to show gratitude for God's goodness in our journey through life as Christians. We're going to read through the entire psalm, and we'll hear the psalmist recount the Distress of several groups of people. We will hear him, the psalmist, you know, say they cried to the Lord. The people in distress cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Then there is a description of the wonderful works of God for those who cry to him. And in turn, the psalmist then calls on those who have been delivered to thank God. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wonderful works for men. Now, I would like us this morning to read this psalm responsively. Roy is going to join me here in front, and I will ask the congregation to uh, join me by reading the yellow font of the uh, passage. At the end of it, we will all repeat together verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited city. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them.
1: Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited city. Then they gave thanks to the Lord for his
2: unfailing love and his
0: Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor.
1: They fell down with no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds asunder. Amen.
0: Some were sick through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities endured affliction. They loathed every kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death.
1: Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction.
0: Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves. They mounted up into heaven. They went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards, and they
1: were at their wit's ends. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad, because they had quiet, and that he brought them to their desired haven.
0: He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste land. Because of the wickedness of its inhabitants, he turns a desert.
1: He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry live and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards, and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. When
0: they are diminished and brought low through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, he pours contempt
1: on princes, and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of distress, and makes their families like flocks, the upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness stops its mouth. Let those who are wise give
0: heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Thank you very much. That was very good. This psalm, Psalm 107, is the beginning of the Book 5 of the Psalms. And it's a call to give thanks to God for God's steadfast love that endures forever. Book 5 of the Psalms deals mainly with the perfections and the praise of God. The psalm here is the psalm of the redeemed. You can see in verse 2, it calls on the redeemed to thank God. It repeatedly calls on the redeemed of the Lord to respond to his goodness and to his unfailing love. Thanksgiving is a recurrent theme in the psalms, and particularly in the 107th psalm. As someone wrote... Every furrow in the book of Psalms is sown with the seeds of thanksgiving. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, am I redeemed of the Lord? If I am redeemed of the Lord, have I considered his goodness and his faithful love? And how have I been thanking him? The psalms here describes people. It describes people who hurt, and it describes people who cry out. But then it describes God. It describes God who hears, and God who answers. Then it goes on to describe how people should respond to God in thanksgiving. And I hope as we consider this psalm this morning, we will not only see God for who he is, but also respond to his goodness. (laughs) The title I've chosen for this psalm this morning is no other one than the one the great man of God, Charles Spurgeon, chose for it Thanksgiving and the Motives for It. Let's just pray. Lord God, we pray that you help us this morning to be attentive to your word, to consider it, to heed it, heed what you have to say to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm is thought by most to be a description of the Jewish Babylonian experience following their return from exile. After the introduction in verses 1 to 3, we see four groups of people in various distresses. We have those lost in desert places verses 4 to 9. They are unable to find a way out, hungry thirsty and exhausted. Then there are those in prison, describing verses 10 to 16, in dark, dark cell, in deepest gloom, chained and no one to help. The third group are those who are sick, verses 17 to 22, suffering from some incurable illness, their appetite gone, and they are close to death. Then it goes on in verses 23 to 32 to describe those caught in storm. How the winds and the waves tossed them up to heavens and sank them to the depths. They reeled, staggered like drunks, and finally, at their wit's end. This psalm is often referred to as the Pilgrim Psalm in reference to the Pilgrim Fathers. In September 1620, William Bradford led the Pilgrim Fathers through a most dangerous of journeys across the Atlantic aboard the Mayflower ship. And then they got to the shore of North America two months later. Now, this was after a lot of persecution in England. Then they fled to Holland. Now, two months later, they landed in the shores of North America and had a lot of heavy losses on the ship, and many more deaths during the following winter. Now the psalm here appears so special to them because it mirrored their experiences. And in many ways, it also represents our own experiences as Christians. From aimless wanderings, we are rescued to a life in Christ. And then we have his protection over us through the many dangers we face in our journeys As pilgrims. In each of these cases, there is a recurrent phrase, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them from their distress. Whenever we hurt, when it seems everything is collapsing around us and there is no one to help, when hit by the storms of life and we are at our wits' end, where all human wisdom has come to nothing. We need to cry out to God. Crying out to God in itself is an act of worship, because we do so in faith. It indicates our awareness of our dependence on God, who is so much bigger than our circumstances, no matter what they may be. The psalmist then goes on to describe the wonderful works of God, in response to the cry of those in distress. A description of his unequaled power. Verses 7 and 9, He led those in the desert by a straight way to save heaven and satisfied the longing and hungry soul. Verse 16, He shattered the gates of bronze and cut bars of iron in two to rescue those in prison. And in verse 20, he sent his word and healed the sick, delivered them from their destruction. Goes on to say in verse 29, that he sent the storm to a steel and the waves to a hush. He brought the sailors to safety. It reminds us that God is so much bigger than our problems. And all solutions are found in God and in his word. The New Testament presents Jesus as the answer in all situations. He is the way, the living water, and bread of life in John's Gospel. He frees us from prison, breaking the chains of sin and death, and declares no condemnation for the hopeless prisoner in Romans 8. He is the great physician, as presented in Luke's Gospel, Luke 5, verse 31 and he is the calmer of storms, we read this in Mark 4. The concluding verses, verses 33 to 42, is a statement that God is in control of creation. It describes twists and turns with cycles of hard times and blessings. But this is not arbitrary or random, it describes the judgment of God on the rebellious, And his tender mercies on his afflicted people. He brings down proud oppressors and raises the oppressed. It is a statement of of hope for us as Christians. It should draw our attention to the fact that while God punishes the wicked, he acts on behalf of his people. Let them give thanks to God for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. His deeds are well expressed in this psalm. His provision and guidance for the desert wanderer and home for the homeless. Pardon for the prisoner, proclaiming freedom for them. Preservation for the sick, healed by his word. described protection for those caught in storm at sea as they were brought home to safety. And it also describes his providence in his ongoing work for us in his creation. Now this is a psalm for all times. It calls us to look back at the works of wonder God has done in our lives to bring us thus far. It calls us to look around and see what he is doing daily in our lives, how he meets our needs satisfies our hearts and fills us with good things. It causes us to look to the future with hope because his faithful love endures forever. Let me ask another question. Is Psalm 107 one of your favorites? How often do you turn to this psalm? To a lot of people, the sun may not come as a favorite for a few reasons. It describes a number of calamities and extremely difficult and distressing situations that we will not think about, let alone read. We may not also want to be reminded about the bitter experiences we have been through. Secondly, it also tends to point out human responsibilities in bringing about these distressing situations. There is even a suggestion that the extent of these human responsibilities appear to get worse as you go down the groups. The wanderers, for example, commentators describe this as the desert experience, as the journey from Egypt to the promised land but others more appropriately linked to the Babylonian experience of the Jews. In both instances, it was because of disobedience. And then we are told in verse 11 that they became prisoners because they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. The sick we are told in verse 17, were afflicted because of their sinful ways and their iniquities. And in those days, storms at sea were usually attributed to God's anger. Remember the case of Jonah as he tried to escape from God. Now, a literal translation of verse 26 in the ESV states, "renders is that their courage melted away in their evil plight." However, we will totally miss the main point and the blessing of this psalm if we focus on the distresses or human responsibilities in terms of sin. If we should reflect on the transgressions as far as this psalm is concerned, it should only be in the context of forgiveness, love, compassion, and the mercy of God. You see, this psalm is not about us. It is not about our sins or our responsibilities with regards to the distresses we pass through. This psalm is about God. It is about what He does and who He is. At the beginning of verse 1, at the beginning of the psalm, it says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 107 is about Yahweh. It's about God. Notice the name of God used here. Now the people singing this psalm in the post-exilic period will have understood this as God's name in relation to his redemption of his people and his covenant with them. The two words covenant and redemption are the context in which we should understand the use of the name Yahweh or Jehovah which is rendered as Lord in small capital letters in most translations. The psalm is about Yahweh or Jehovah who is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. God is good in his nature. He is good in all his ways. He is the ultimate standard as far as goodness is concerned. All his actions and thoughts towards us are good. We may sometimes misinterpret his actions or even miss his signals. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And to the Israelites, while still in exile, he said, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This psalm is about Jehovah's said. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His Hesed endures forever. There is no precise equivalent for this Hebrew word in English. And in attempts to capture the full meaning of Hesed, various words and word combinations have been used in translations and in commentaries. Here are different you know, renderings of the word Hesed. Love. Favor. Loving kindness, grace, mercy, great kindness, steadfast love, great love, unfailing love, faithful love, unchanging love, loyalty, compassion, faithful loyalty, goodness, covenant loyalty, loyal love, and many more. The chesed of God is the steadfastness and persistence of God's sure love towards his covenant people. The steady, persistent refusal of God to wash his hands off his wayward people is the essential meaning of this Hebrew word chesed. The nearest human equivalent in the Bible is the story of Ruth and Naomi and perhaps David and Jonathan. I'm grateful to Roy McMillan, who drew my attention earlier last week to the passage in Hosea 11. And Hosea is about the idea of God's steadfast love for his people. And this is expressed in verse 8 of Hosea 11. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zabion? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. But we see the clearest meaning of God's goodness and has said in Exodus. Now, Israel was at one of the lowest points in their history when the nation should not even exist because God was going to wipe them away after they had worshipped the golden calf. It was in the context, the aftermath of this, that God revealed his goodness and his name, Yahweh, before Moses. And we read this in Exodus 34, from verses 6 to 7. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, The Lord, the Lord, that's Yahweh, Yahweh. The God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Maintaining unfailing love and, and faithfulness to a thousand generations and forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin. That is what the people of God will have understood when they sang this psalm. This is the main point we should take home in this psalm, psalm 107. The Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. It is the basis for his act of redemption and his wondrous acts mentioned throughout this psalm. Let me stir up your imagination for a moment. Now imagine... That you have an unqualified acceptance from your boss or your mother in law. Think about what that will mean to you. God's steadfast love is much, much more than that. As Christians, we have a covenant relation with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is in Christ that we find the deepest level of compassion, of loving and kindness, and of mercy. This is the love that will not let us go. This is the love of God in Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul refers to in Romans 8. From verses 38 to 39, the NLT, or New Living Translation, puts it this way. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Put simply, as a redeemed of the Lord, there is nothing that you can do that will make God not so love you. It is on the basis of this unfailing love that the psalmist here asks the redeemed to give thanks to the Lord. Verse 2. Let the redeemed say so. Now how do we thank him? We thank God in our private lives. Speak to God. Say to him, he is good. Tell God in praises and in thanksgiving. We thank him in public. Tell others of what God has done for us in the assembly of God's people and beyond. Verse 32. We should not be afraid or shy to give our testimony. These four groups of people were giving their testimonies, the testimony of God of what God has done for them, and the sermons say, tell others. We also should thank God in our personal lives. Verse twenty-two: Offer sacrifices of praise. And what better way to do that, as the Apostle Paul, than as the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans twelve, verse one: Dear friends. God is so good. So I beg you to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. This is the most sensible way to serve God. Now this is how the message translation it: reading from the last verse of Romans 11 to 12 verse 2. Everything comes from God. Everything happens through him everything ends up in him always glory always praise yes 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 so here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work and working around life and place it before god as an offering embracing what god does for you is the best thing you can do for him In verse 43, the concluding verse, it says, Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The psalmist